From Austin, Texas, it's To Hell and Back, an uncensored show about entrepreneurs and the journeys they take to start their own businesses. I'm Amanda Eakin. And I'm Kevin Garadia. Today on the show, how Jody Reyes went from corporate America to starting his own craft beer store in town. Witchcraft is yeah. W-H-I-C-H. And it's Witchcraft Beer Store, correct? It is, yeah. Okay. Do you guys have like potions and stuff? So I grew up in the Seattle area, in Bellingham, Washington, about 90 miles north of Seattle. I went to the University of Washington in Seattle. And my first real job was at the Four Seasons Hotel in Seattle. So I started my, my career in hospitality as a valet, actually. I was a bellman and I was eventually a concierge. And so a lot of the elements, and just from a hospitality standpoint and customer experience types of things, um, I found those lessons that I learned really on early on in my career have been have been really valuable as I've, I've progressed throughout. What did you major in in college? History. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I never really knew what I wanted to quote unquote do with my life, right? And this is probably a common theme you hear with a lot of entrepreneurs, um, that I was liked doing different things, but nothing where I felt super compelled to do it. So I always felt like if I can just get my degree and get out into the world, I'll kind of figure it out. And I was looking for another job, reached out to my local group of friends and network and started working for a company called Magnolia, which is like the high-end home theater division of Best Buy Corporation. So I was an assistant audio buyer. So that was kind of my first foray into retail operations and management. In 09, it was right at the beginning of the recession and um, the leadership at Magnolia at the time decided to close that satellite corporate office in Seattle and move the main Magnolia operations to Minneapolis where Best Buy's headquarters are. So there's really a small handful of us that got the offer to move from Seattle to Minneapolis. Uh, and I decided to take it. I was my wife. Now she's my wife. At the time she was my girlfriend and we were dating long distance. I was like, so I think thinking about moving to Minneapolis. She's like, yeah, screw it. Let's go. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So I moved to Minneapolis and I was in 09. So she was in Austin and she then moved Austin. to Minneapolis with you. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. I know. Right. Yeah. That's particularly like for her friends and family who are like, sure. wait a minute, you were in Seattle for a year. Yeah. You met a guy like <laughs> eight months through. We dated for like three months, maybe four months before she moved. Yeah. So what brought you to Austin after that? Yeah. So we, uh, we were in Minneapolis for a total of four years. We always knew it was going to be temporary. Um, it's great. We absolutely love the Twin Cities. Fell in love with them, but it's just super fucking cold. So that's what killed you, the cold, huh? Yeah, we just, yeah. I mean, I never knew I could, or I knew I was never going to be able to be there long term. So anyway, we were there for, for uh, four years. We always knew it was going to be temporary. And at that point, it's like, where do we want to go? We don't have any kids or anything. So right around when we were starting to talk about it, about three and a half years in, she got a call from her old uh, boss and mentor here in Austin saying, hey, we have a position opening up. She was like, should I apply for this? Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll notice not many, not many, not too many things in our lives are that premeditated. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. So here you are building your skills, operations, yeah. management, all sorts of things, and then, uh, yeah, witchcraft beer store yeah so i know did, right yeah how did, you went from magnolia yeah. you went from a history major and here you are witchcraft beer yeah. store so let's hear about that story sure well so once we knew that we were moving down here this was probably like march of 2013 um let's accept the job we knew we were moving um i was ready to be done with corporate america for a whole host of reasons the thing that i craved coming out of corporate america was being able to own something completely end to end right the thing with corporate america is um I mean, I'm sure it's different at multiple companies, but at least my experience was no one really owns anything end to end. 
and I wanted to be ultimately responsible for when everything went right and for when everything went wrong. And I just never felt that in corporate America. You know, I wanted to, to own something that if, you know, it was great and customers were happy and we were, you know, getting accolades, fantastic. Let's celebrate that as a team. And vice versa, when you get one star Yelp reviews and people are pissed or whatever, you own that too, right? So that feeling of not ownership and equity standpoint, but just mental and emotional ownership of a thing. But I, I still at that point didn't think about entrepreneurship really. You know, a lot of people like always have that desire to be an entrepreneur. Sure. And that was, I don't want to say that wasn't me. I mean, I always had ideas about it, but mm-hmm. it's not like it was always this burning thing inside of me. We knew we were moving down and I wanted to work for a small business again. And I wanted to really, you know, it's kind of like, you know, sitting down and writing, okay, what's my ideal type of of work situation, what I want to do. And I came up with a list of like four or five things. It was work for a, you know, smaller mid-sized company in a position in which I can have a, you know, drastic impact. Um, so some sort of like COO sort of role probably sure. yeah. for in an industry that I have some sort of excitement or passion about and for a company that has some sort of growth trajectory or plan and a leadership team or owner or whatever that um, I believe that I, I know and I like and I can trust and I believe op- operates with integrity, right? But moving down to a brand new place with no professional network, sure. it's not like the COO of Torchies gets posted on Craigslist. You know what <laughs> sure, I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah, I get or that. Or like yeah. Bird's Barbershop. Yeah, you know, those, those... I actually just connected with them on LinkedIn, so awesome. I'm just yeah, saying, I don't there know. There you go. See, in this position I would have taken. <laughs> yeah. My whole life would have been different. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. those, those really influential key positions, they don't get posted. They on. don't get posted, yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, shit, now I'm going to have to go find a job with one of the big companies again. So like, I reached sure. out to these people and talked to some recruiters, and um, it just never seemed like a good fit because as the bigger the company gets more and more spe- – each role gets more and more specialized, particularly I was looking at like kind of director-level positions. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't – it just didn't feel right. I was like, that's not what I want to do. So when I was kind of sitting there thinking, all right, well, if this is the type of company I want to work for, and I can't find that type of company – in Austin, why don't I just make my own company that is that um, that I want to work for? There you go. And it was kind of this light bulb, like, well, shit, what did I think of that? The, the accidental entrepreneur, yes, right? right? Yeah. Where it's like, well, okay, I'll just make that company. So then I said, okay, here, now I got to figure out what I want to do. <laughs> like, what sort of business, right? So there's, you know, I, I narrowed it down to a couple of industries that I had, you know, some excitement and passion for. I love modern design, though I'm not an architect. So I was thinking, well, maybe a modern furniture store of some sort. Uh, I love green energy stuff. So maybe some sort of, but I don't know how to do solar panel technology. You know what I mean? And, you know, craft beer was one of these things. Um, and when I started doing an initial bit of research, actually, coincidentally, or again, maybe not so, uh, there was a craft beer centric store in Minneapolis that I used to frequent, which was just a great spot. I mean, very similar to witchcraft and, you know, kind of look and feel. You know, just beer only, great sales environment, you know, really helpful, friendly staff, that kind of thing. So when I started looking for that sort of model in Austin, it didn't exist. And I was like, well, shit, that's weird. Austin's kind of a big city. And from what I can tell, it's, you know, a fast growing beer city. It seems weird that there's no specialty craft beer bottle shop. So I started looking more. And the other thing that was happening right at the same time, you know, the ledge meets every other year in Texas, right? So right in that same time, 2013 is when that suite of five bills was making its way through the legislature. So Mm -hmm. as I'm doing all this research from, you know, 1500 miles away, there's all this, these news, news articles popping up about the legislature pushing through this, this, uh, you know, bundle of five laws that will make it uh, much easier for new breweries to start up. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, if Texas is already a fast growing market for craft beer and they're getting ready to pass these laws it's going to make an even faster growing market and if no one's doing super specialty retail that seems like a niche i can exploit because it's my background i know how to run retail stores um and i know and like craft beer um so i think i can do that and so that's kind of how it started 
So when we move down here, that's when the real work started. Um, being in a place that you've lived for a while, if you need to find a real estate agent or a banker or an insurance agent, you can just go through, yeah, pick up the phone or go on your Facebook page and be like, hey, give me some insurance recommendations. Yeah. And your Facebook feed will blow up with all these people to talk to. But I didn't really have a network down here. So even yeah. simple stuff like finding an insurance agent or what have you, it just took way longer than uh, than expected. So but, uh, was there ever yeah. a moment throughout the process um, from opening it to to now was there ever a moment uh, i mean you've opened two stores now which is incredible mm -hmm. especially in today's you know fast moving environment and higher paced or higher uh, higher rents and things like that but um was there ever a moment where you were like whoa uh i think i got in a little over my head here <laughs> well i mean <laughs> so what's interesting is if i can say with a reasonable level of certainty that if um if i hadn't told any of my family and friends that i was gonna do this and if uh, Melissa had let me off the hook, I probably wouldn't have gone through with it okay. in a sense that once we got down here, I mean, imagine this, you know, going from a, um, you know, corporate America position, which I liked, I loved my coworkers, liked the business. I mean, it was cool. We, we had a great thing, moved down here and like, there's just no, I didn't have anything going, you know what I mean? Sure. We just had to figure it all yeah, out. Absolutely. So there were times when I was like, this really sucks, particularly with real estate, particularly with alcohol based businesses, particularly in Austin, you have to have a really uh, particular type of zoning. Yeah, sure. That is super I, yeah, hard trust to find. Me, I know all about zoning. Yes. Yeah, it's a pain oh my in God. The ass. It's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And so there are so few places that have this zoning, the search for real estate. That's why this is why when I was doing my research initially, there's no craft beer retail stores. I know exactly why, because of the city zoning. So there are multiple times when, you know, after I was going through, get excited about a place and it wouldn't, it would fall through for whatever reason. When I was like, Melissa, I should just go find a fucking job because this is absolutely ridiculous. I wish I was a slave to an angel trade. Like riding around on rail cars and working long days. What was a typical day like leading up to the day that you opened? You know, I signed the lease for Witchcraft 1 in November. It was actually the Wednesday of Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, uh, 2013. And we opened the doors April 19th, 2014. So when I signed the lease, I knew that I was going to have a few months. Um, and a lot of what I spent my time doing then was kind of pre-work, things that I knew I could get out beforehand. Like I really spent a ton of time thinking about the customer experience. The other thing is like I had to design this space, I had to work with an architect. But for Witchcraft One, it was what we just call a white shell. So just like, you know, an empty retail suite. Uh, yeah, so I had to design the fixtures, right? So part of it was like, well, shit, I don't want to pay somebody else to design these fixtures. So I should probably figure out how to make wood fixtures. So like bought a saw, yeah and started screwing around and like, you know, experimenting. So I basically used our backyard as like my wood shop to like build these fixtures and kind of experiment with how to do it. This is part of what I was, the comment I made earlier about, mm -hmm. you know, really owning things end to end. This is part of it is like, do I want to pay someone to design the fixtures? Well, not really, so I better fucking figure it out, you know? So like the, you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay, well my job today, like it's so opposite of corporate America. Well, you kind of know what your job is every day. It's like waking up like, I got to figure out how to design and then build fixtures, none of, the, none of which I've done any of this stuff before. But you just kind of got to do it because the other thing with entrepreneurship, something that I love about it, is if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. You know what I mean? And that's another thing in corporate America. Like, if you don't do something, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other people that may or just maybe nobody will notice if it doesn't yeah, get done. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, you're ultimately accountable to yourself, you know? So if you don't get it done, then you have to do it the next day. <laughs> Okay, so for beer, like, did you get into more of, like, the, the nuances of beer? Um, 
after witchcraft or had were you always kind of a beer geek um i've always been a beer enthusiast you know beer, unless sure. i would travel we would always go check out new breweries and whatnot yeah. um growing up in the seattle area that's obviously a you know big beer of course yeah uh, mecca and so it was always just part of the culture up there that's just what you did on mm-hmm. weekends i mean beers community it it knits people together it's a social uh phenomenon it's uh it's just it's it's what people do to relax it's what people do to connect it's what people do um yeah it's just it's to me it's just part of part of life it's part of communities it's part of you know, multi-generational people. You go to Jester Kings, perfect example. You've been out to Jester King before? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. awesome. And you go out there and it's, it's, I absolutely love Jester King. Their experience is wonderful, but it's, there's families out there. You know what I mean? There's 90-year-old grandparents and, you know, three-year-old babies running around, but everybody's hanging out and having beer and, and enjoying each other's company and community. And that's what it always, it's the glue, I think. Yeah. Once I kind of decided I was doing it, I was like, well, shit, now I got to really learn about this. Yeah, so absolutely. I spent a good chunk of this you know, six or seven months drinking beer. Yeah, drinking beer <laughs> yeah. and um, and reading a lot. You know, bought a bunch of books and did research and kind of had to teach myself sensory. Um, you know how to how to taste beer. How do you teach yourself how to smell from a book? <laughs> uh, they the scratch and sniff books, right? Part of it is like um, is is looking at what are the typical uh, flavor and aroma characteristics of that style and then finding a beer that's a traditional like example of that style and then smelling it and saying does that smell spicy or fruity or what type of hop presence do we have is it more of a kind of a dank west coast piney resiny sort of thing or is it more kind of tropical fruit you know you can taste the beer and spend some time with it let it come up to room temperature and um just spend some time exploring you know, as an entrepreneur, you always think, you know, what? I think I may be able to do it a little better. So my next question to you is, you know, you've also obviously tasted a lot of beers. Um, is there a, is there a brewery in Jody's future at all? <laughs> Maybe we can um, keep it under wraps. I keep, but. God. So there's 5,000 breweries in the U.S. Yeah. And a lot of them are making really outstanding beer. So yeah. I don't feel like there's anything I can add to it, uh, add to the brewing ethos. Sure, but what sure. I, where I do think that we can contribute and particularly my skill set where I can lead an organization to contribute is in the retail, uh, you know, providing a place where people can come and talk about beer and not be judged. My thing is, you know, people and communities and experience, um, and retail. And that's, that's always been, that's what I get really excited about. Um, I like telling people about, you know, a little bit of the brewery too, Mm -hmm. because to me connecting goes back to the community piece with beer. Um, it's not just the liquid that's in here. It's, you know, St. Arnold is a super cool company. They've been around for 20 years. The oldest craft brewery in Texas, Brock Wagner, you know, locally owned dude, still owns the, the company. Mm-hmm. Um, they're awesome. They make super cool beers. That's where the history comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It totally is. <laughs> yeah, but I touche. love being able to tell people um, a little bit about the brewery, too, because it, it makes a connection in their mind. So they're going to remember the beer better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and hopefully they'll they'll feel like they got, you know, it, um, we have a saying that we like to say that, when customers leave our store, we want them to have at least a little bit more knowledge than when they came in. Absolutely. Um, however they define that, whether it's a little bit more or a lot more, but at the very least, we'd like them to leave a little bit more knowledge. Got a call from my neighbor this morning Told me my baby was gone As always, thanks again for listening to the show this week. If you want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to our website, to hellandback.blog. Please also consider subscribing to our show on iTunes, and whether you love us, hate us, 
or just want to say hey, write us a review while you're there. You can also write to us at tohelmbackatex at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram for outtakes and previews at tohelmbackatex. This show was produced by Kevin Gradia and myself, Amanda Eakin. We've got some great episodes coming up, so make sure to stay tuned.